this week I'm going to zero in on praying for needs. Because let's face it, we sometimes all have them. Others that we love and know might have needs. Those that we want to reach out to with the love of God have needs. And there are many Psalms that speak about crying out, asking for help in time of need. So how can we ask then in a Psalm-shaped way, if you like? That's what I want us to think about today. So first of all, I'm going to ask you to do a little activity along with me because you've been very patient, very good at listening to me talk over the last two, twice I've done it and then again this week. So I thought it would be good if you could contribute to part of our time together. So Dan's going to come around, he's got some slips and on that you've got three questions about prayer. So can you take a couple of minutes just to jot down a few words, your personal answer to each one? And then would you share your answers with the person sitting next to you? You know, don't agonise about it, just the first things that come to mind. So these are the questions. Sorry, that should say, what was one prayer that God answered a long time ago or a while ago for you? What was one prayer that God answered that changed the course of your life? Not a wish. What was one prayer that God answered that changed the course of your life? What is one prayer that God has answered recently? So let's just take a couple of minutes to do that. And then what I'd like you to do is share what you remember with a person next to you, a person sitting close to you, please. Okay, thank you. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it takes us a time to actually remember what we've prayed for. It's easy to forget, isn't it? But I want to talk first of all this morning about remembering, remembering his goodness. And the reason I asked everyone to do that exercise is because one of the foundations of asking, of interceding for others, is that we find in the Psalms lots about remembering who the Lord is and what he's already done. If we want to pray effectively, I believe this is where we need to start. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, says Psalm 103, verse 2. For the psalmists, prayer starts with remembering the benefits of the Lord's past goodness and kindness to us. There are so many instances where the psalmists declare this that it strikes me that this is a vital spiritual principle to grasp hold of. There is spiritual power in declaring his goodness. It shifts something in the atmosphere, in the heavenlies. It shifts something in us. And prayer continues with hallowing his name. Before we ask anything, the scripture says, we have to hallow his name. Now, I know that sometimes we just have to cry out, Lord, help, Jesus, help, and that's fine. But as a lifestyle, in terms of crafting our prayers, this is how Jesus taught us to pray every day. Matthew 6, 9 to 13, we all know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed is thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Only after the hallowing is it, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is showing us a divine order here for all our praying. 
So what does it mean to hallow? That's an old fashioned word really, isn't it? The dictionary, my dictionary said to greatly revere and honour. Like we hallow the legends, the greats of football, let's say. So Bobby Moore, Jackie Charlton and all those 1966 heroes who won the World Cup the last time for England. Pardon? The only, the only time. Like we hallow the name of Florence Nightingale, who developed modern nursing, or Elizabeth Fry, who did so much for prison reform in the 19th century. We have such people's portraits on our coins and on our banknotes. We remember and honour their memory and their contribution to our society. But more than that, to hallow means to make or to set apart as holy. Why do we treat the Lord with awe and respect? Because he deserves it. He's holy to us. He's special. He's more special than anyone or anything else, isn't he? So in teaching his followers to pray, hallowed be your name, Jesus is saying to us, before you ask for anything, remember that not just God, who not, sorry, that not just God is, but that his name is holy. That's who you're praying to. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. We sing it, don't we? And so are the names of the Father and the Holy Spirit. We hallow them. That's why we don't take the name of our Lord in vain or want to hear that. These names are so beloved by us. So we remember all his past faithfulness and we hallow his name before asking for anything. And then we tell so Psalm 78, for example, retells the highlights of how God delivered the children of Israel through trials and tribulations, through the many biblical generations, from Jacob right the way through to David. And in their worship and prayers like this one, the Jews kept their collective memories of God's faithfulness alive, retelling his marvels, his miracles and his power in their history. Verse 3 says this, we will continue to tell our children and our grandchildren and not hide from the rising generation the great marvels of our God, his miracles and power that have brought us this far. Oh, blank piece of paper. Hope that means that one didn't print. <laughs> I'm challenged by that. Am I remembering telling my children and grandchildren, my friends, the good things that God has done for me and for us down the years? Am I remembering and telling my children that God delivered this nation from the threat of Napoleon or Nazism less than 80 years ago? Am I remembering that God saved us from a nuclear war between the USA and the Soviet Union? in the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. That's the kind of scope the Jews are remembering when they tell their children about the faithfulness of God. Am I remembering and telling that there's been a Christian witness in the city of Leeds for more than 800 years? Do I even know the stories of that, of God's faithfulness in this city? Or once they've happened, do I take his mercy, his goodness for granted? Do I keep quiet about the kind things that God has done for me, has done for us? I hope not. Psalm 105 verses 4 and 5 urges us like this. Seek, inquire of and for the Lord and crave him 
and his strength. Seek and require his face and his presence continuously and evermore. Earnestly remember, don't ever forget the marvellous deeds he has done. His miracles and wonders hold to your heart every judgment he has ever decreed. How passionate is that message? You just get the sense of how important the psalmist thinks it is, don't you? So Psalms encourage us to ask from that place literally of desperation for his presence and from the place of remembering and the place of never forgetting and the place of speaking out his faithfulness. And we know this, if he has been faithful before, he will be again. He will never leave us or forsake. It's already been said this morning, Jesus promised. I just want to show you a little video on remembering that if he's been faithful before, he will be faithful again. And that his faithfulness is always aimed towards increase. So when I was young, I think I was about two years old, uh, I was riding like my little tricycle or bike that you ride when you're that age. And um, and my mum was putting the washing on the washing line and, uh, you know, I was riding around and having a great time. And then all of a sudden, uh, as she had, to, had her back turned, I had ridden my bike into the swimming pool. And so I guess, you know, I was drowning. Um, she pulled me out, I was blue in the face and she, you know, got the water out of my lungs and all that. And for her, that was a real moment where God came through. But yet for me, I, I only know of that story because she told, she told me the story, not because I remember it. In Psalm 124, uh, Israel, um, is encouraged to tell of the times when God came through. And there's one, this one verse where it talks about the waters engulfing them. And it, and it talks about if, if, that, if God hadn't have come through, then, then say so. But if he had, the inference is, if he had, then remember that, talk about that. And so my encouragement would be to people to look back and see all of those miraculous times, times that even you don't remember, but you know God came through. He's there, we just have to remember it. Okay, just to give you a little bit of context about that, um, that's uh, one of the worship leaders from the Hillsong Church in Sydney. And that church is currently preparing for its annual worship and creative arts conference, which they have in November. And this is the time of year when they're coming together, particularly to seek intimacy with God, to go up higher using music and songs and the arts. And this year, they've been preparing their hearts during the 100 days before the conference with some testimonies and meditations from the Psalms, which they've called The Ascent. I really recommend them. If you go onto their blog, you'll find their meditations on The Ascent. And that refers back to the 14 Psalms of Ascent that we find in our Bible, that the Jews would sing on their way up to Jerusalem to worship God during their religious festivals and feasts. So that was his testimony. You know, one of the major worship leaders in the Hillsong house, and he's remembering a time when as a toddler, he rode his trike into the swimming pool. But God had other ideas 
God had something bigger. Salvation came, growth came, increase came. God saw what that man would become. What does it do to you when you hear somebody's story like that? How does it make you feel? Encouraging, yeah. Grateful. Builds faith, doesn't it? Provokes you to ask God again. Encourages us to go up higher. I've talked a lot about us remembering God's goodness, his past goodness to us this morning. But you know, it's okay to ask God to remember us as well, to remember us back. God's already spoken that to us through the word that Stuart prophesied this morning. God said, ask me, make a demand on me. The psalmist asked God to remember them all the time. He's not always going to say yes or no to what we're asking for, but he always wants us to be bold enough to come to him. And sometimes if you're anything like me, you think, well, who am I to ask for anything? But we are never undeserving of his love or his help because of Jesus. He made us deserving You know, even on the cross, when that thief was crucified next to him and said, Lord, remember me when you come into his kingdom. Jesus said this very day, you'll be with me in paradise. That man had done nothing to deserve such grace. None of us have. But Jesus responded to his bold asking. Psalm 106 says this, remember me, Lord, as you take joy in your people. And when you and when they come to the blessings of salvation, don't forget me. Let me share in the wealth and beauty of all your lovers. Rejoice with your nation in all their joys. Let me share in the glory you give to your chosen ones. That's quite a bold prayer, isn't it? But this is how the prayer identifies themselves. I'm your lover, God. I'm in your nation, God. I'm one of your chosen ones. Psalm 37 says this, it's God's will that those who love him shall prosper upon the earth. And writing at the end of his life, King David also said, I was young once, but now I'm old. But not once have I found a lover of God forsaken by him. That's us, isn't it? We are his lovers too. We are his holy nation, part of his church too. We are his chosen ones. We have the right to ask. Now, can I encourage you to keep a journal of your prayers? Not only will it remind you of how God has answered and to thank him for it, but it will encourage you, it will help you to invite him boldly to do it again. Here's one of my journals. This one is from, I think it's 2004. Yeah, April 2004. On August the 22nd, I started praying for 40 days for God to intervene in helping my mum. She was very sick. She'd had some strokes. Her health was deteriorating. She got down to six stone. And our family was confused about why and what to do. So we started to pray, me and my sister. We said we would set aside time every day to pray for 40 days. 
And the Holy Spirit showed us that it was the cocktail of drugs that she was on, all prescribed, but they were all causing her, that cocktail, to decline very rapidly. We asked God about what to do, and he showed us. We saw the doctors. We had a miracle meeting with a consultant. God orchestrated it, and he made it a way for it to be resolved. And she recovered from that, and that was 14 years ago, and she's still alive. This summer, when Pete was made redundant, we were praying for his job situation. I remembered how God had amazingly provided good work for me in 2005 when I was made redundant. Uh, Dan told his testimony about that recently as well. At the time that Pete was made redundant, I reminded myself and I reminded God, Father, you are faithful. You gave me a job before when we needed one. Please, will you do that again for Pete, just like you did before? I was able to pray, give us today our daily bread, because he had done it before, and he's faithful. Once, the Lord provided a week's groceries left on our doormat when we had no money for food. Another time, he provided us with money for car tax when we had no money to keep our car on the road. He has saved our lives twice this year when we were in quite bad car accidents where our cars were written off. Because it wasn't our time to go home to him, he will decide when that is, not the enemy. One time he sent a stranger to help us when our ancient car had steam coming out from under the bonnet while we were on a very budget camping holiday in France. That car was about to catch fire. And a man came to help us. He crossed the road and came to help us and sorted everything out. And that stranger was called, named in French, Dieu Donné, God's gift. Personally, I think he was an angel that God sent to help us. Do you know, on that very day, I believe the Holy Spirit was interceding for us before the throne of God. Romans eight twenty six tells us he does that. As smoke was pouring out of our car, I was just praying in tongues. I was in a blind panic. I didn't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit did. The Bible teaches us that Jesus also is sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for us. Can you imagine the conversations that are going on in heaven? Holy Spirit and Jesus are praying for you and me. And because they're round the table with the Father, they know exactly what to pray for. They know the will of God and they want to reveal that to us so that we can pray in line with it. I believe that Holy Spirit wants to show us more routes to more answers. He wants us to be involved in praying the answers because we're now the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth, aren't we? And Jesus said he only did the things that he saw the Father was doing, that he knew the Father was doing. And if it was good enough for Jesus, that's good enough for me. Because we only want to be doing the things that we see the Father doing, don't we? So how can we move towards this? Firstly, in 1 John 15, it talks about the disciples asking out of close relationships. Sorry, not 1 John 15, John 15. Jesus is teaching his disciples that asking comes out of close relationship. He says this, the words I've already spoken over you have already cleansed you. 
See, he'd already made them righteous, and the airways between his father and them were open. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. So secondly, we need to position ourselves to pray in line with his word and his ways. When we want to know how to pray, we have the word of God and everything we know about the ways of God in that word to draw on. We can be confident in praying prayers based on the truths of the Bible because God doesn't change his revealed nature. So many times in the Psalms, for example, you hear that cry out to God, Psalm 17, verse 1. David cries out, listen to me, God. Hear the passionate prayer of this honest man. It's my pressing cry for justice. So interspersed with cries about persecution, about those who hate him, those who are raging against him, trying to destroy his life. You nevertheless hear his declaration of faith and confidence in a God who has been faithful. Verse 6 says, you will answer me, God. I know you always will, like you always do, as you listen with love to my every prayer. What David is doing here, he's positioning himself in prayer, in line with God's ways, in line with God's nature. And then thirdly, we just need to be still. Psalm 46, 10 tells us, be still and know that I'm God. We need to deal with all the head noise, the brooding on things. I can brood for England. The worry worms of thought on an endless loop that we have going on internally. You know, that psalm starts with an earthquake and it ends with be still. We might have earthquakes rocking all around us, raging. They might be affecting our inner selves. I think there's a call here to train ourselves to be still and hear how he wants us to pray so that these things have less power to knock us off course. One way to practice this is by regular quiet reading and meditation on the word of God. We could try the ancient spiritual practice of Lectio Divina, which just means in Latin, slow word. It's reading a Bible passage, listening to it slowly, then reading it again. And the third time, while meditating on the words and listening to what Holy Spirit is saying to you through it. I'll give you a link to a useful resource on that at the end. I believe he will speak concerning the what and the how of how we should be praying because the word of God is a living word. It's always a rhema word or a rhema word, a now word, somehow supernaturally inhabited by the person and the plans of God. If we listen, the Holy Spirit will teach us how to pray through our reading of the word. And we can also meditate and go over any prophetic words he's already given us as individuals or as a community.
In thinking and praying over them, Holy Spirit will often show us what to pray for next. So that what needs to happen for those words to come to fruition actually does. If there's one thing I want to declare this morning, it's this. That prayer is meant to be about finding out what heaven's up to. We want to find out what his will is for us as a community in this season, don't we? His next steps. We don't want to miss his leading. So we need to ask him, what is it you want to do with us in these circumstances, in this moment, in my situation, Lord? That's why we're gathering together on Monday evenings to pray, because we don't want to miss his leading. We need to ask him. Quick reminder, when Steve and Lynn Blacker were with us earlier this year, I don't know if you remember, but Steve told us how they had learned Uh, to pray for healing, that when they had heard from God specific words of knowledge about what to pray for, healing came. And he asked us as a community to pray, didn't he, for words of knowledge and to listen about healing. I think it was about 10 people heard from God that morning, came out to the front because they had words of knowledge for healing. And then people were able to come and get prayed for. They responded to those words. You see, he's a speaking God. He speaks to us. As we ask him, I think he'll show us more and more what business he's about so that we can pray in line with his will. What about that in the office, in the shop, in the playground, wherever you are this week? What about asking God for words of knowledge Words of wisdom. What do you want to do in this person's life, God? How can I bring hope? How can I bring your love? How can I show them that you care about them? Give me words, God, for them. Words that break open. The prophet Graham Cook said this. Praying with the answer is different to praying for the answer. I don't know about you. I'm desperate. I want to do more praying with the answer. The Apostle John wrote this in 1 John 5, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have obtained the requests we ask of him. Finally, coming back to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus taught them to pray, give us today our daily bread. The word ask here in Greek is aitio, A-I-T-E-O, which means to demand, to desire, to be adamant. Jesus is talking about making an assertive demand on God in requesting his assistance to meet tangible needs such as food and shelter and money to live by. We heard that from God this morning, make a demand on me by prophetic word. Demand is quite a strong word, isn't it? But it's also used in the New Testament to address a superior, someone we approach with respect and honour, but because we have the right to. So we can ask boldly every day, give us this day our daily bread, from that place of honouring, respecting and loving. Again, that whole prayer is wrapped up in relationship. We can come with thanks and love to ask our daddy God, for his help. It's all about love. It's nothing to do with religion. 
it's nothing to do with the way that we prayed it in school by rote in assembly. Beloved, this is the testimony of the Psalms. This is my testimony. He is faithful. He's not a sugar daddy. He's a really daddy. He's good all the time. He's wise all the time in how he answers our prayers. And he wants to teach us more about how to pray powerfully and effectively. I'm coming into land here, but before I finish, I just want to recommend some books and resources for you. If you've been interested in what I've been teaching on during this um, series on praying from the Psalms and using the Psalms, you might find some of these helpful. I mentioned uh, the practice of Lectio Divina before, just slow word, slow prayer meditation. Uh, here's a really good website. I love this person and the way that she shares um, prayer and meditation via, via her blog. So have a look at that. Um, secondly, uh, draw the circle, the 40-day prayer challenge. This is another way in which you can pray to God on a topic that's on his heart. Yes, Sarah. Okay, Lectio Divina. It's called a thirstforgod.com. That's the website. So another way um, that you can get into hearing from God and praying about something that's on your heart or is on God's heart for 40 days is via this book, Draw the Circle. So Stephen Lynn recommended this to me in January and it came just at the right time when Kathy and I went to Australia. I was praying for 40 days using this book for Susie when she was really ill. Is there anybody in this room who thinks they might like to do a 40-day thing or they need to do a 40-day thing to bring needs to God? Okay, have a think about that. If there is, come and see me afterwards because that will be my gift to you. And I've got three copies. And then the book I referred to in talk one, which is Tom Wright's book, Finding God in the Psalms. Really easy to read, beautifully grounded in the word, but really easy to access. So that's another really good book on prayer. And then finally... Um, Graham Cook's book. It's really more of a like a little manual, which is called Crafted Prayer. How is it? Much more tuition and help with actually how we make prayers, powerful and effective prayers to God. So that's all of those. First for God, Crafted Prayer, Drawing the Circle and Finding God in the Psalms. Before I finish, I just want to play you a song quietly. It's really ministered to me, this song, by Lauren Daigle. It's called Everything. And while we're just prayerfully listening to this song, I just want anyone who's got an immediate need for prayer just to put your hand up. doesn't matter what it's about. You might not want to share everything that it's about. But if you see a hand up and you're close by, I just want you to go and pray for that person so that we minister to one another in our time of need. Because I want there to be many more testimonies amongst I don't care what it is. I don't care how intractable, how difficult the situation is. Because I believe that God wants to bring breakthrough 
to us, just like he did with my mum. You know, my mum was dying. My mum was dying. She couldn't eat. She couldn't even hold a knife and fork. The doctor seemed to be oblivious of her decline. But God showed us and breakthrough came and he saved her life. That's what God can do for us in answer to prayer. So I believe he wants to see breakthroughs in all sorts of ways for us. If you need to move house, if you need a new job, if you need a relationship to be restored with a father or a mother or someone else in the family, God is in the business of bringing breakthrough and freedom to us. So let's just prayerfully listen to this song. Everybody just close your eyes so we're not looking at one another. And if you feel that you have need, that you want somebody else to come and to pray for with you, then, yeah, we'll, we'll just be sensitive that, to that and people can gather around and pray.
in this house. We are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.